and welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to the City of Guelph's General Manager of Planning and Building Services, Crystal Walkie, and the City's Manager of Policy, Planning, and Urban Design, Melissa Aldenate. This has been an exceptionally busy week for municipal planning in what's been a very busy couple of weeks for municipal planning, and that's been on top of several very busy months for that same department. Now, as the City of Guelph planning staff were getting ready for the final approval of the new comprehensive zoning bylaw this week, the very first update in nearly 30 years, I should add, the Government of Ontario dropped a proverbial BFD on 1 Carden Street in the form of the approved official plan amendment number 80. So can planning staff say anything substantive about the province's decision at this point? Well, we are going to find out because that is the topic of this week's Wealth Politicast. Pretty much since the moment that the Doug Ford progressive conservatives were re-elected last summer, municipal planning departments all over Ontario have been on a back foot. And, you know, it's not like they were waiting around for someone to give them instructions in the first place. Indeed, the planning departments themselves have been waiting for the Ontario government, been waiting for the government to approve the latest amendments to official plans for cities and towns all over this province. Guelph itself has been waiting nearly a year to get the decision on OPA 80 back, and it finally dropped last Wednesday. In all, there were 18 changes, and none of them can be appealed because the last word on all of this goes to the Minister of Municipal Affairs and Housing. On the surface now, there isn't much that's controversial in what the ministry approved, but there was one big decision that seemed to eat up all the air. In the approved plan, the skyline of downtown Guelph can now max out at 23 stories, which provoked a lot of doom and gloom scenarios in the news and on social media. How soon now will we be inundated with looming canyons of glass and steel through our downtown boulevards? Well, as usual, it's not that simple. Is it good that the province rewrote a pretty key provision in the official plan amendment that city staff worked so hard on? And what about all that advocacy on the part of the community? And now that we're talking about it, how are planning staff supposed to manage all the work that they're doing and all the work being created for them by the provincial government on a almost seemingly weekly basis. It happened again right before Easter with the introduction of the Helping Home Buyers Protecting Tenants Act. Well, let's be clear. This is a lot. So for this week's episode of the Guelph Politicast, we're going to focus on OPA 80 with Crystal Walkie and Melissa Aldenate, who will tell you that they are also in the middle of trying to understand all these intricacies. In the meantime, though, we're going to talk about the work that went into OPA 80, the impact on OPA 80 from Bill 23, and how the decision impacts the unfinished work of the Comprehensive Zoning Bylaw Review. And we will also talk about whether 18 changes is good for an OPA review, how and why the ministry looks at zoning on individual properties, and why you shouldn't be too scared of downtown Guelph becoming Blade Runner. And finally, we will talk about the changes made to the GID lands, why Guelph has limited options around so-called major transit stations, and why you don't need to worry about Guelph growing beyond its borders in the immediate future. So I caught up with Crystal Walkie and Melissa Aldenade earlier 
this week in person at City Hall. So first of all, uh, I'm here with Crystal Walkie, and I don't have your titles in front of me, so I'm going to butcher it, but you're the GM of Planning and Building Services. That's exactly right. And you're uh, Melissa Aldenate, and you are the manager of... Policy Planning. Policy Planning. I was going to get there. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to begin with... Um, just like to set the tone, like how much work or how, much, how many years or weeks or however you want to quantify it, work does the OPA represent, OPA 80? How much time, effort, and energy? So doing a review of our official plan to conform to provincial policy generally takes two to three years. So we um, started with our growth management strategy, and it involved significant public consultation prior to bringing a recommendation to council. Okay. And I'm going to start here about the, the decision itself. Um, how much of what they kind of took the red barker to the, the, the OPA was, maybe I'll direct this to you, Krista, is how much of that is just because of what's happened between when the OPA was passed last year and what the provincial government's been doing ever since? Um, so the decision that came down last week, certainly some of it was site-specific uh, amendments and some of them, especially the downtown heights in downtown, are in relation um, to the, the pressures that the ministry has on providing housing across the province. Mm-hmm. But there are things like cons- consultations with the GRCA and the, the, I think it's the Ministry of Fisheries for some odd reason that also got, we're not doing as much consultation. How much consultation do we do with the Ministry of Fisheries and Oceans? <laughs> Probably not a lot. <laughs> not much, only when, when it applies. So when we're looking at um, water courses, mm-hmm. we would have consultation. But of course, um, the province, province has removed um, review rights of conservation authorities for right. our natural heritage policy. So that's why we were seeing those strikeouts occur in our, in our plan. And just so people have the numbers right, I think there were 18 total modifications to the OPA. Which that's, right. that's correct doesn't sound like a lot. Is it a lot? You know, I think from, from my perspective, it's not a lot considering the, the scope and size of the document. So um, it's not a lot, but we're going to take the next little while to review each of the modifications and then provide a fulsome report back mm-hmm. to, to council. And for people who may not know, there was a, an information report in the, the last Friday's uh, release of the information report. So that's top level. That's like Wednesday afternoon and some of Thursday. That information report was intended to be a plain language version of okay. what the minister's modifications are. So, um, for instance, explaining the modification to the um, policy and height schedule for downtown, um, putting it into um, more plain language because they do just do strikeouts, mm. bold text to indicate their changes. Mm. So just to, just for, for people kind of get the process, um, it's not like somebody at the ministry calls either of you up and says, you know, hey, we're looking at the OPA and we're thinking X. <laughs> that used to be the process. It used to be the process. That was the process with our last official plan review is they would call us and say, we have draft modifications. We would meet with them. We would have discussions. Um, we would work together to make sure that the wording worked for us in our, in our community. But in this case, no. The decision was top secret until it was released um, on the environmental registry. I think people might hear that and go, is there that kind of like 
implied malice, but I, I wonder, because there were a whole ton of official plans. I mean, everybody had an election last year, right? So everyone's passing their official plan amendments and, you know, so there's an understandable backlog. So is it, I, I guess they just want to go into the black room and put, throw them all out and let the chips fall. Yeah, the ministry was setting the, the deadline to submit our a revision to our official plan on July 1st, 2022. Mm-hmm. You know, as a result, they were inundated with, with, a lot of, <laughs> with a lot of official plans, and they've been releasing them in phases. So, you know, some municipalities heard uh, from their, their changes just before Christmas, and then there was a, a batch release, I would say, uh, last Tuesday with a bunch of other municipalities, and there will be further releases yet to come as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let's get right into some of the changes and to, to preface this for everyone who's listening, um, you're the, the two of you and, and everyone who works for you are, are processing things um, as much as members of the public are. But in terms of the big piece that's gotten people's attention is the height downtown, 23 stories. I guess the question is, that's not a universal thing. Just to, to phrase that right, like not everywhere downtown is eligible for the 23 max height. I, I, do I have that right? That's right. So within um, the area of downtown along Wellington Street and the river, it's called our special policy area. So it's in the floodplain. So our, um, our height schedule was retained for that area. Um, and with the decision to, to modify the maximum height to 23 stories, the minister did retain all other policies related to height within downtown. So mm. in the peripheral residential areas, we do have policies that speak to our zoning bylaw restricting maximum heights in those areas. Um, we do have other policies around um, compatibility, um, floor space indexes, um, floor plate sizes, angular planes, all of these things that would also restrict height. Right. So yeah, while the maximum has been increased to 23 stories, our other policies have been retained, including the protected view corridors to the Basilica. Right. That's something I kind of want to get at. I know that there are, there's, and again, my planning expertise is nominal (laughs) there's the viewer there's there's the viewer uh the the viewership uh, corridors i have that name wrong i know just Just the view corridors corridors. (laughs) um but but there were also several other sort of things regarding how the basilica is viewed like there's not just the the act the, the, the formal viewing corridors there there are other conditions right that protects that those sight lines we did have a policy that talks about long views to the basilica so outside of the protected corridors and that policy unfortunately was deleted with the minister's decision and that that would had an effect to lower building heights um but that policy has been deleted i think that's what i was getting at that all we all we kind of have now are the view those five or five or six sight lines right now that's right and those have been protected since the 1970s so we think that's that's good that that was retained is that a federal thing because of the National Heritage designation? No, that's a Guelph. That's a, a Guelph, Guelph thing. Regulation, okay. yeah. Um, I, I guess how does the max height downtown does that radically affect the where we're going? Because th- there was that application a couple of weeks ago uh, on the corner of Wellington and Wyndham, um, and there's also the consideration too that you're going to build something at that corner. Um, and how high that looks sitting on that corner looks drastically different than if it's like in, in downtown proper, like if it was, say, at the corner of Cardin and Wyndham, right? So, I mean, 
are we overreacting, I guess is the question. Or, or anybody who's, cons- I'm not going to name names, but one of the counselors did a little artwork <laughs> to show essentially, you know, Blade Runner downtown with a view of the, the Basilica. I mean, that's, is, is that an overreaction maybe? Well, the, the, you know, for example, the existing heights we had on some of the properties for 18 stories have been in place since 2015 mm-hmm. through the height density policy study, and we still have, you know, some vacant properties. So um, it's, it's not expected that overnight we will see 23 stories built across the downtown in areas that permitted it. Right. It's, a, it's a process for anyone to do, and you've had eight years of permission and permissions and we've seen the metalworks um occur and the, the two tricar buildings are the, the ones that are built at this this time right um so it does take time so it's not going to happen overnight and as melissa said we still have our floor plate sizes and they were even supported by council even today uh, through the comprehensive zoning bylaw and, and how our buildings look and feel in the city as well and there's potentially more protections coming if people are worried because I'm thinking of the Heritage Conservation District study for downtown as well. So that's just a, you know in the RFP stage, so that right. hasn't advanced beyond beyond that at this point in time. Um, but you know, at this point, we have to go back and look at all the implications, and we're still in the early stages. But it it's it's not going to uh, change overnight, mm. but there it will definitely change over time. Mm-hmm. The other piece of this that concerns downtown is the parking minimums around major transit stations. I guess how far out does that pertain to, well, let's back that up even further. Right now, our only major transit station is Guelph Central Station, right? That's right. So our, our, our major transit station area boundary is defined as our downtown. Okay. So, um, yeah, the, the policy that was added around looking at our, our zoning bylaw to reduce parking, um, minimum parking requirements within that area, we have one year to comply with that. So um, we'll be looking at that as part of our, our update to our zoning bylaw that was just approved today. <laughs> <laughs> and the other piece of this, too, though, is the, the downtown parking uh, master plan. Mm-hmm. Does, does this decision radically affect any of the work going on around that? I don't think it radically, 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 radically affects it. It, um, but it's an input into it. So right. you know, certainly when the decision came out, we advised that team that you know here's some directions so for consideration. But the parking rates in the downtown were part of the scope, uh, regardless of the decision. Mm-hmm. Is there a possibility of, given, you know, some of the changes we're making to transit over the next few years, of creating. And I don't know, I, this was a, a gap in my pre-interview preparations, but in terms of like establishing what a major transit station is, I imagine you know, some definition of that could be met like the university. There's 13, 14 bus bays there. Um, you know, yeah. Stone Road Mall could, you know. For Guelph, it won't. For because Guelph, it the won't definition, be currently, the definition is um, set by the province and is related to our GO service. So where okay. our, GO, our GO Transit's um, station hub is, um, is downtown. So we don't have another um, station area that would meet the provincial definition. The closest would probably be the, the park and ride at Puss Lynch, which we don't. It's not in, it's not in Guelph. Guelph. Right. Yeah. I guess that's one of those things that, 
sounds like <laughs> a loophole we could have, I guess, in, in my, maybe in my own imagination. Um, in terms of, and I'll ask you this first, there is a couple of things, and I noticed them in the, the staff report, which was, you know, there are specific changes to specific properties, so 230 Willow, 280 Clare West, the, the big ones, probably 41 to 45 George Street. Is that unusual in, the, in an OPA process that, you know, uh, the province would look and like, oh, you that specific property, you shouldn't. <laughs> that, was a, that was a boo-boo. Yeah, so through the, when our official plan was submitted to the province, uh, then they advertised it on the ERO, the Environmental Registry of Ontario, for anyone to comment on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was submissions received to the ministry on these specific properties, and they evaluate the submission okay. and uh, decide whether it was uh, appropriate or not. There were 24 mm-hmm. submissions to the, to the province on our OP. Um, some were certainly for, for heights, and then there's these specific ones as, as well that were part of the submissions that mm-hmm. the, the minister received as part of their deliberations. So they, they looked at those specific properties because of the comments? Because of the submissions, by yes, by the individual property owners. Interesting. That's correct. Okay. So it's not unusual is what we're getting at. Uh, I guess... This may be a political question, but you know, it for for that was a big thing at that meeting, the forty-one to forty-five. That was a specific thing that came from that neighborhood. The councillors representing that area brought it forward. Um, does that put us in a tricky position that you know we can't, you know, set our own kind of, you know, there was a neighborhood specific concern. The council listened. I'm not entirely sure what I'm getting at, but I think you you might understand. Yeah, we, we certainly remember that, <laughs> yeah. that discussion in July. Um, it was not staff's recommendation in that right. particular case to down-designate the property. It had had the high-density residential designation for, for quite a while. That's right. Um, but it was council's amendment to our OP to change the density designation from high-density residential to medium-density residential. And then as part of the um, open process with the ministry staff, the property owner submitted a response to the ministry on that. Right. Okay. Just, just to work, I just wanted to be clear, like the people were heard and sometimes it doesn't yeah. go their way when it goes to the higher authority. That's correct. Um, the changes to the GID that were, that were in there, um, is, is any concern there? Because I, I think they fiddled with the commercial, the allotment of commercial space. I, I have that right, don't I? With the employment land. So yeah. we, this one we're reviewing right now okay. because the um, land area for employment within the GID secondary plan was significantly reduced. So right. we do need to review that and how that impacts our employment projections to 2051. Um, when we reported to council on our growth strategy, we're very tight on employment lands. We, right. we just barely meet um, our our employment projections for 2051 with the lands that we had designated um, through OPA 80. So with a reduction in the land area, we do need to review that to see what the implications are. Is this a, is there perhaps like a, a sign of things to come that we're, we're faced with such a big crisis on the housing end? We might end up inadvertently causing a crisis on the employment lands end? I, I think the focus right now of the province is on housing. <laughs> Um, 
we know in our community that it, it's it's important to maintain jobs here. Right now, we are a net importer of jobs, so more people commute into Guelph to work than commute out. Mm-hmm. Um, this could have impacts on on that ratio for us, but we do need to review that. That's an interesting data point that I forget sometimes. Um, I know that this is kind of a separate matter from the OPA, but I know that people get concerned about this too, that the, the, the province has changed the rules to make it easier to expropriate land. Um, from the Guelph perspective, um, again, this is kind of like a, from the angle of assuaging people's fears about sprawl and all that. Expropriating land is not an easy process. Just because the land is empty doesn't mean we can just seize it like pirates, right? <laughs> yeah, certainly, you know, I think there was some, there was some changes that were announced on Thursday mm-hmm. before Easter um, yes. that are in, in draft right now. But, you know, we're certainly proud of the OP we put forward and keeping growth within our boundaries that there wasn't the expansion um, as part of the OP process to our boundaries. And, and as staff, we're very proud of that, that we're building up and not out. Um, and the ministry kept the boundaries mm-hmm. as part of this. So right. uh, when we did read the ERO postings, there was submissions requesting boundary expansions, mm-hmm. and those were not approved by the ministry. So for, for, for the time being, <laughs> that's all we can usually say, yeah. um, that our boundary is, is the boundary and we'll continue to plan and grow, grow within our boundary. I only ask because there is that rumbling, and I can't remember what meeting it was, but um, there was a, somebody there who suggested, you know, let's just, there's lots of empty land around us that we could build houses on too. And so, I mean, it's, yeah. it, this that, is a matter that, of like, we, it's yeah. settled for today, maybe not tomorrow. Yeah, and that's all we, we really ever know. And Fair enough. Uh, we do, like we as staff plan 50 years out or 30 years out, and, <laughs> yeah. and that's how we plan and design our cities. And um, there was certainly comments made in our official plan by members of the development community that we should expand outwards, mm-hmm. but that was not brought forward in our uh, response from the ministry. So for us, that's certainly a, a good sign and we'll continue to move forward. Um, you know, with, with our official plan, we did a lot of work from, you know, the employment land surveys um, and our employment land needs assessments, but we also did a water supply and wastewater master plan right. surveys as well. And that was part of the holistic picture of what we could accommodate within our boundary. Yeah. So we, we believe that the minister did take a look at all that and, and was uh, respectful to the boundaries that we have. Yeah, that's a key piece of that as well. Just a general question about life in the department these days, you know, changes coming at you guys pretty fast. Um, how are you finding you're adapting? I mean, the, the, we're talking about stuff that's happened in the last two weeks. We get the OPA back, we're approving it. We just came from the approval of the zoning bylaw. Province is changing the rules once again. I mean, how do you guys get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> um, you know, sometimes, I guess some days it's a bit of a challenge, depending <laughs> on what we, what, we, what, we, what we saw come down the last, you know, the day before. But, you know, in some cases we're reacting to, to changes that come from the ministry that we, you know, we weren't aware of. Um, and, you know, in some cases we're, you know, for example, even today, the Comprehensive Zoning Bylaw, we're, we're looking forward to, to that 2051 target and what the city will look like then and we had a lot of recommendations to build us toward that so like as staff we're 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 working you know toward the long-term future of the city and then we just you know react as changes come in and we report on them as best as we can and we know it's a changing environment that we are in right now 
Melissa, you're pretty quiet there. <laughs> well, I, I, all I would add to that is that from the time that we started the official plan review in 2019, we've had two versions of um, provincial documents. So the growth plan changed on us right um two times and now it's under review again so it was just released by the province as a, a new combined um, provincial policy statement and growth plan so we are looking at the whole planning policy regime changing on us again and we just got our official plan approved so lots of adjustments right we look we can laugh about it but i mean it it, it is a lot and i guess to wrap this up i guess what happens next with the like? Like you, you've got to obviously take into account of things and uh, make the changes in our own document that that they've Correct. directed. But you know what what happens, you know now in terms of implementation, in terms of, um, I guess when do we when do we start looking at the official plan again? <laughs> Well, usually it's on a five or ten year time frame. So with the province reviewing um, our guidance documents, so the provincial policy statement and the growth plan, um, they will set out for us what that timing looks like and transition for us to comply with any um, new policy direction we receive from them. Um, with the minister's decision last week, our official plan is approved and in place and there's no appeal rights. Okay. So it's in effect. That was the other one thing I wanted to ask about. So mm -hmm. it's it's a go. It's it's this, this is this is the normal now. I guess with the zoning stuff, that's that's being yeah. implemented too. So this is the normal for the official plan. Right. We have to take the minister's changes to our official plan right. and do a zoning bylaw update. So we had our you know the big chunk of our zoning bylaw approved by council today, mm -hmm. but we'll have to implement the individual changes that came through. Uh, the minister's and decision is, on OP80. Is, is that a motion that comes to council? Uh, we'll we'll bring back we'll bring it back as staff. So okay. the minister, as we I think we heard maybe a couple times today, we have one year to implement the changes. So between now and next April, we'll be bringing back the changes to the zoning bylaw based on the ministry's comments in our OP. And that's a full public process, so it okay. involve engagement, yeah. public meetings of council. The, the the protocol that we went through with the comprehensive zoning bylaw review, but on a shortened time frame. To implement the the changes from the the from, o, the, OPA. from the OPA. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So to be continued, which is a great way to end a podcast. <laughs> but uh, Melissa Aldenade and Krista Walke, uh, thank you so much for your time. I'm glad we were able to sneak in some some time to have this conversation. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. And once again, that was Crystal Walke and Melissa Aldenate. You can find the links to the Government of Ontario's documents on the approval of OPA 80 and the staff memo responding to the changes on the show notes page for this episode of the podcast. And that is it for this edition of the Guelph Politicast. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. The Guelph Politicast is usually recorded at CFRU, Guelph Campus and Community Radio. And to learn more about CFRU, go to CFRU.ca. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you will get an episode of Open Sources Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me personally at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram 
or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can do that and get all the necessary information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we'll have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week. And until then, we will see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.